Sermon Audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Well, I am so honored to be with you today. Um, Pastor Eric is, is out of town, and he graciously opened his uh, pulpit to me, and um, I have utmost respect when a pastor does that, and I want to I want to honor him and respect uh, the, um, the confidence that he's placed in me. And, you know, it's always a privilege when I come to speak at a church for the first time. And there's so much I want to say, you know. I mean, I go through the notes and everything that, that God's been teaching me. And it's a challenge. And it reminds me of this country preacher who had just finished seminary. And he... Uh, he had his first church. He, he was assigned to his first, just a small church in the middle of, of this farming community, and yet it was his church. He was excited. And uh, as, as he uh, prepared for that Sunday, he went through his years of seminary training and looked at all of his notes. What would his first message be? Well, the day arrived. He was well prepared. He walked out on the platform and much to his disappointment, there in the audience was just one country farmer. He was so disappointed. He, he stepped down off the platform and he walked up to this gentleman and he said, Sir, I'm not sure what to do. It's just you and me. And he said, Well, son, I don't know much about anything but farming, but this much I know. If I went out to feed my cows and only one showed up, I'd feed her anyway. So he was encouraged. He, he found boldness again, and he got up, and he delivered everything he had on this one man. Two hours later, he stepped down, he walked up to this farmer, and he said, Sir, what did you think? He said, Son, I don't know much about anything but farming, but this much I know. If I went out to feed the cows and only one showed up, I wouldn't give her everything I had. So I will endeavor to not give you everything that I have, but I do want to talk to you uh, about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the topic of leadership. Now, this is only my second trip into Denmark, and I'm getting to know your culture and understand um, your people. And one of the things I've come to understand is leadership is sometimes misunderstood. That, that's, that, that some perceive leadership to be elevating yourself above someone else, and, and I understand that that's frowned upon in, in your society. The good news is, that's not leadership, and I'm going to demonstrate that to you today. Now, leadership, by definition, is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. But here's the thing about influence. By that definition, then Adolf Hitler is one of the greatest leaders who ever lived because did he influence a lot of people? He did. But obviously the outcome of his leadership was very, very catastrophic. It was negative. So, see, it isn't enough to simply influence others because the quality of our influence, the quality of our leadership is going to determine the outcome of our influence, of our leadership. Now, here's a question for you. How many of you know somebody? All our hands should be up, right? 
We all know somebody, right? Therefore, you influence somebody. Right? So by definition, then, all of you are leaders. So the question I have for you is, what's the quality of your leadership? Is it having a positive impact on others? Or are you having a potentially negative impact on others? And, and unless you're intentional about developing your leadership, then your influence has the potential to be very negative. It has a, it has a tendency to detract from those around you, to detract value from them rather than add value to them. And so I think you can see why leadership is such a, uh, an important topic in any society. And it's nothing to do with elevating yourself. It is actually about becoming a servant. And so I want to I share with you, if you'd go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, and, and I'm going to share with you, this, this is, I don't know if you have a life scripture, but this, this is my life scripture. This, this would be, if somebody said, what's your favorite scripture? This passage of scripture is my favorite scripture. doesn't have to be yours, but it is mine. And, and it says in, um, in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, was there any part of authority that was not given to him? It's okay to talk to me. Was there any part not given to him? No. All authority. I, and the interesting thing I've found is that that word all is translated all in almost every language. All means all. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. The reason we can go is because of the authority that Jesus has. We'd have no authority to go on our own. None. We'd have no authority to go on our own. But we have all authority to go in his name. And so it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now this is a significant scripture to a leader because Jesus gave us a commandment to go. Now, I've read through the Bible many times, and I have searched the scriptures over, and I have yet to find a scripture that says, stop. I challenge you to do the same. You won't. Jesus commanded us to go, and we're still under that mandate. We are all under a mandate to do what it says here, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's a mandate that we have as believers. Now, some of you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not sure about this because that sounds like I've got to do some things that I'm not real comfortable doing, like, like talking to people. The good news is that God has set church up in a way that if you get plugged into a church, then the church can do many of these things 
for you and with you and through you. I'm going to show you that in a second. So everyone is under this mandate, whether you are a person who likes to be in front or whether you're a person who likes to be behind the scenes. There is a place and the place is church. That's where you can fulfill what is called the Great Commission. And so it's good that you're here today. And it's important that you stay connected in a church that God has placed you in. Now, I'd like you to go to the Gospel of John. And I want to share another scripture with you here. Now, bear in mind as we go through this, all authority has been given to Jesus. All authority. And then because of his authority, he commanded us to go. Now, there's another thing that he gave us instructions on. And this is in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1. And Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So we know that Jesus is the vine, his Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, who, who's the branches? All of us, right? All of us. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, may bear more fruit. Now, there's only three options. We're all branches, but there's only three options. We are either connected to the vine and producing fruit, we are connected to the vine, we're not producing fruit, or we're not connected to the vine which makes it impossible to bear fruit. Those are the only three options. And all of us fall into one of those categories. But, but as we read on here, you're going to see that it's only the, the vine or the branch that's connected to the vine and bearing fruit that gets the benefit of that connection. And, and, and so becoming part of a church and, and, and following that great commission and doing your part to help fulfill the great commission is a way that you can be productive and fruitful. But without it, you're not bearing fruit. With, without being connected, it, it doesn't turn out well for the, for the branch that's not connected. Now, now, I want you to see this, verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So, so those who have heard the word and received the word have received the, the gospel of salvation by grace. So we know that he's talking to those that have connected with him. In verse 4 he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So the only way that we can bear fruit is to abide in Jesus, the vine. Now, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of words in the English language that we use on a, on a common basis that we don't exactly know what they mean. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's, it's in our culture, our language, but if somebody said, well, what does that mean? Now, for example, what does it mean to abide? I'll bet if I went around the room, we'd have a different definition from each one of you. Some similar, but I'll bet it'd be very different and, and unique to you. So I looked it up. And, and I want to share with you what it says here. Now, this is out of the dictionary. It says that the word abide is to accept 
or act in accordance with a rule, a decision, or a recommendation. Is the Great Commission, does it fall into that category? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so here we are to accept and act in accordance with that commandment, the Great Commission. If we're going to abide, then we need to act in accordance and accept it. We need to accept that it's part of our, our journey with, with Jesus. We need to accept that it's part of our faith walk, that we are going to be working toward fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, it, it goes on and it says this, it means to comply with, to obey, to observe, to follow, to keep to, to hold to, to conform to, to adhere to, to stick to, to stand by, to act in accordance with, to uphold, to heed, to accept, to go along with, acknowledge, respect, and defer to. That's a lot. But that's what it means to abide in the vine. So, here's what I'm going to say to you. We always have a choice. But if we are to abide in the vine and bear fruit, we don't have a choice but to comply with the commandments that Jesus has given us, and one of those is the Great Commission. So again, we, we, re we recognize not everybody is going to be an evangelist. Not everybody is going to have the gift of evangelism, but everyone can influence others. Not everyone is going to be a pastor, but everyone can influence others, whether you're a pastor or not, through, through life, through being connected with others, through influencing others. Now you can see why leadership becomes such an important subject for us to honor the commandment and to abide in the vine. Now, in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the great shepherd. How many of you have heard that? Jesus is referred to as the great shepherd. The, the Bible also refers to, to pastors as under-shepherds. Okay? And, and, and so, if, if Jesus is the great shepherd and pastors are the under-shepherds, now, this is not necessarily in Scripture, but go with me because I think that this analogy follows, then if Jesus is the vine, then your pastor is the undervine. And it means then that you should be as connected to your pastor because it is a pathway to obedience to the Great Commission and it is a connection that carries you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Without a pastor, it is difficult for you to connect with the vine. Now this is God's plan. And I'm going to show you why in just a second. And, and so it goes on, it says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot bear fruit unless you are abiding in the vine. And I'm going to suggest to you that it is very difficult for you to bear meaningful fruit unless you are also connected to the undervine, unless you are connected to a church, connected to a pastor, and submitting to the spiritual authority of that pastor. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to tie this all together. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Paul speaking here, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, let me ask you a question. Is the Great Commission a part of your calling as a believer? Yes. And we also established that it's one of the ways that you can fulfill your ministry here on earth. See, all of us have a purpose. All of us have a calling from God. And Paul here is writing to the church in Ephesus, so he's writing to everyone, not, not to the pastor. He's writing to the church, and he says, I ask you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Every one of us have a calling in God. Every one of us have been given a God-given purpose. So at this point, if you're unsure, this would be a great time for you to be asking God, what's my purpose? What's my calling? Now, let's go on here, because I want you to see this. When, when we answer our call, when we step into our call, when, when we are walking in the purpose that God has given to us, verse 2 says, with all humility and gentleness, that's how we walk it out, with patience, bearing with one another in love, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, when you come together in a church and everyone is operating in their God-given purpose, walking according to their God-given plan, the result is peace and harmony and, 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 and a unity of the Spirit. Because God is the one who places the gifts in the body. God is the one who places you into this church. Now, many of us think that we just chose where we were going to go and we ended up there, but many of us may have gone to a church and didn't feel connected, so we tried a different church. But if you came to this church and you felt like it was home and you connected with this church, you felt connected because God connected you here. And, and so he is the one who connected you, and as you bring your gifts and you bring your God-given purpose, and you serve this church and connect with the pastor, the undervine, the under-shepherd, then that under-shepherd helps you to discover your purpose and walk out that purpose before God. Let me show you why. Verse 4 says, One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Now, this is a really important point here, because I run into a lot of Christians in particular who don't have a lot of hope. They, they really don't have a lot of hope for the future, for their lives. They don't understand their purpose. They're unclear of what they're supposed to do as a believer, and they have no hope. So let me just demonstrate it this way. If Let's just say that your calling is over here, whatever that might be. If you're gifted to teach, then teach. If, if you're gifted in administration, then, then bring those gifts into the church. But if, wherever that is, whatever that gift of yours is, if this is the spot that represents that gift for you, and you're hanging out over here, A little too far to the speaker. 
and you're hanging out over here, how effective is your call going to be? You're out of position. You're, 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 you're going to be confused. You're, you're going to feel out of place. You're going to feel awkward because you don't understand your purpose. You don't know why God put you here. See, if, if you didn't have a purpose, then, then when we got born again, God would bring us right to heaven. There'd be no reason to keep us here. We are here still as believers. If, if you are a believer, then you're here for a purpose. But if you're out of position, then you're going to have a lot of confusion, a lot of doubt, a lot of unbelief, a lot of frustration, and the thing that you're not going to have, you're not going to have any hope. But when you discover that purpose and you, and you align yourself with that purpose and you bring your gift that God has given you and you walk out that purpose before God under the direction of a pastor, then good things begin to happen and hope is restored. So your hope is tied to your calling. Your hope is tied to your purpose. I think that's great news. Now, let me, let me just wrap this up here and show you what I what I'm mean here. Is in verse 7. Let's pick it up there. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. See, when God created you, he gave you a purpose, and he then gave you gifts. He gave you abilities. He gave you things that you can do better than most. Not so you could be better than someone, so that you could bring your supply and someone else could bring their supply, and when everyone brings their supply, the body is complete. So your gift isn't to make you better, and it doesn't matter what your gift is. My gift is, is speaking and teaching in front of people. That doesn't make my gift better than the person who has a heart and a passion to, to maintain the church building, to, to come and clean the bathrooms during the week so that it's ready for church service. My gift is no better than the, than the gift of someone else who may have the gift of, of service, the gift of administration. It's just different. And the better you do your gift, the more hope you're going to have because the more clearly you're going to see your purpose and the impact that it's having in the church. It gives you meaning in life. gives you purpose. Now, now watch this. I, I, I want you to see in verse 11. Take a look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers... This is what Bible scholars refer to as the five-fold ministry offices. I am in the office of a teacher. I'm not a pastor. I did pastor at one point, but now I'm a teacher. I actually work with pastors, and I help pastors grow the influence of their churches and their communities. And so I stand in the office of a biblical teacher. That's my position, but my calling... My calling is to come and, and help pastors grow the influence of their churches. That's, that's my purpose. You see the difference? The teaching is what I do, but the outcome I want is because of my purpose and my calling. And the same is true for you, whatever your calling may be. Now watch. He gave, God gave all of these, your pastor, my, my gift. He gave these to you, verse 12, 
to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Your pastor does not exist to do the work of the ministry. That's what it says right here. Your pastor exists to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And that's a very important distinction because I go to a lot of churches and the pastor's doing everything. Everything. They're working 80 and 90 hours a week trying to keep up with a growing congregation. Whenever someone's sick, they call their pastor. Whenever there's conflict in, the, in a family, they call their pastor. Whenever there's, there's a death in the family, they call their pastor. When someone's in the hospital, they call their pastor. When, when they're feeling sad and don't have any hope, they call their pastor. Well, add it up, folks. In a church of this size, that means that your pastor can only do so much. And I've seen countless times where pastors go through what's called pastor burnout. And, and, and then the, the board of elders or the deacon board, depending on the church structure, wants to know why the pastor's not doing his job. It's because he's doing everyone else's job. And, and, and so we've all been given a commandment to go. We've all been given a commandment to, to teach and make disciples. And, and so if you're not a teacher, then you can come in submission to the pastor of this church and say, I'm reporting for duty. Use me. Maybe you know what your gift is. Maybe you know what your calling is. Then, then say, I believe I've been called to do this. I, this, this is my purpose from God. And, and the pastor will equip you and train you to do that to the fullest. But see, many Christians never make that connection. They come to church, they'll give an offering, and they go home. And, and that's not all that God has for you. God has so much more for you. So maybe you're not an evangelist. But if, if your gift is taking care of a building, let's say, maybe you're handy with, with tools and, and you understand how to fix things, then you're coming in here and, and reporting for duty and saying, Pastor, use me, I can fix things, I'm really handy, and you do that to the fullest, that is every bit as much contributing to the making of disciples because now the pastor doesn't have to do it. And now the pastor can stand in the pulpit and have had time to prepare. See, most people see pastors like this, like I'm doing now, talking to you. But in the reality, most pastors should spend most of their time like this. Because if they spend most of their time like this, then they have something to give to you when they come before you and do this. But if they're doing all of the work of the ministry, they don't have time for prayer. They don't have time to, to gather before God and to, to get his word to deliver to you. They, they don't have the time to equip you to fulfill your calling and your purpose. And so I'm going to challenge you this week. If you're not serving in this church, and I just want you to know, Pastor Eric did not know I was going to say this or do this. I'm doing this because I feel led of God to do this. But if you're not serving in this church, 
And, you, and maybe you know where you're supposed to serve and you're not. Maybe you don't know where you're supposed to serve. I mean, if you don't have a gift for music, please don't come and sing, okay? Please. You have great vocals up, up here, right? Don't you? I mean, wonderful music. So if that's not your gift, it's okay. But if you're not sure of what your gift is, then your pastor is equipped to help you find that. But I want you this week, and I don't know when pastor's coming back in town, Tuesday. So when, when Pastor Eric is back in town on Tuesday, I would love for you to reach out to him and say, Pastor, I'm reporting for duty. Use me. Train me, equip me, so that I can fulfill my God-given calling so that I then can help this church bear fruit by making more disciples and teaching them to do what you're teaching me to do. Will you do that? Now, in closing, I, I just want to share with you a little bit about why we're in Denmark. Uh, this is my wife, Debbie. I'd love to introduce her. Debbie, stand up. And um, Debbie and I are both um, certified trainers and coaches with uh, the John Maxwell team. Our friend Fleming, uh, who is uh, a Dane, is also a John Maxwell team member. And, um, and how many of you heard of John Maxwell? Raise your hand, just let, so I can get a, a, a read on the room. Okay. Um, I would strongly encourage you to Google John Maxwell, and you'll see that he has written over 100 books on the topic of leadership. And, and that would be a good place for you to start. Uh, one of the good books that I could recommend is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's, it's a great read, and, and it's very helpful to help you understand uh, some of the things about leadership that we just covered. But approximately a year and a half, two years ago, through a, a lot of prayer, we sensed God's calling to the nation of Denmark for the purpose of bringing hope to the nation of Denmark through leadership. Now, we didn't know anything about the country. We'd never been here. And in fact, when we first got here, we didn't really like it here. I'll just be honest. We're, we're very expressive people, and we like to talk with people, and and we've come to understand that Danish culture is more reserved and, and more quiet. And, and so we, we were here for about four or five days and nobody really talked to us. And for people that like to talk, that was really lonely. <laughs> but but as, we, as we had a, 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 an event that took place, God just kind of brought us back to ourselves. We, we didn't realize it, but we'd kind of gotten a little depressed. Because we knew God had called us to this great country, but we've, we were still understanding that calling and understanding that purpose. And I think we had the, the misconception. I don't, we, we never gave word to it, but I think deep down inside, do you know how you can set an expectation level that you're not sometimes even consciously aware of? I think we thought that as soon as our feet touched the soil, it'd be like a scene from the Bible, and the heavens would open up, and the angels would sing, and the sun would be shining. And when we got here, it was quite the opposite. <laughs> it was raining. <laughs> Shocker. In, in Copenhagen, right? <laughs> and, and so after about four or five days, we realized we were kind of depressed. 
But we were walking outside, see if I say this right, Tivoli? Tivoli? Tivoli, all right. We were walking outside just, just along on the sidewalk, and a group of ladies approached us. I don't know if we looked like we knew what we were doing, because clearly we didn't. But they asked for directions. But we had been there for four days, so we did know the answer to their question. And, and as they walked away, it lifted our spirits because we were able to help somebody. We connected with somebody who was more lost than we were. That's always a good thing, isn't it? And from that point on, we were able to go on and connect with 14 pastors in the country and started the groundwork for, for building a, 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 a leadership platform in Denmark. And as I told my wife this morning, we're going to leave Denmark tomorrow after having been here for now nine days, I believe. And um, last time we left Denmark with a, with a hope and, 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 a, and a plan to come back, this year we're leaving Denmark with a team in place. We have connected with a number of, of churches around the, the Copenhagen area and in other parts of the country. And we're leaving with a team of people that are committed to bringing what's called values-based leadership to the nation of Denmark. Now, we're going to be very deliberate in that we want to work within every sector of society. We want to be able to work with, I don't know if you've heard of what's called the seven pillars theory. Some call it seven mountains or seven streams. But it's a theory that suggests that for any society to survive, it is held up by these seven pillars, which include business, government, education, church, family, arts and entertainment. These are the, the basic elements that build a culture and keep a society gr growing and healthy. And so our desire is to bring values-based leadership to the, the seven pillars of your society, the top thought leaders, the, the, the top leaders so that we can do leadership from the top down. And, and here's why we do that. Leadership isn't about elevating yourself, it is about joining arm in arm and crossing the finish line together. And so often when someone wants to do something, they want to elevate themselves and then try to bring others along as they cross the finish line first. And that's not what a leader does. A leader joins arm in arm, and together we cross that finish line. And so we're, we're going to be um, putting a schedule together this afternoon. We have a planning meeting that we're doing. It's the last thing we're going to do before we leave in the morning. And we're going to start working toward doing leadership training twice a year in the spring and the fall for the next three years. It is also our plan to, at the right time, which we have not yet discovered, but at the right time, we are going to bring our mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, into Denmark. John has been doing this uh, three years ago. He was asked by the president of Guatemala to come and instill a leadership culture in their, in their country which is a significant thing when the head of a state invites you to come in. And so I was privileged to join John and 150 people as we trained nearly 20,000 people 
that week in values-based leadership. They have gone on to train hundreds of thousands of people in values-based leadership, and the outcome is that Guatemala in the last three years has had a regime change. The president's changed hands, and it's the first time in the history of their country that they had a peaceful transition of power. First time ever, and people in country are saying it's directly attributed to the values-based leadership that was brought in three years ago. So this is world-changing stuff. So as a result of Guatemala, John was asked to come into Paraguay. And so in February of this year, Debbie and I were able to join nearly 300 people as we trained, again, the top-tier leaders and thought leaders in the, in the nation of Paraguay by request of the president. And so it is our desire to, through networking and through people like yourselves, is to connect with the companies in Denmark, to connect with the government in Denmark, and to begin to build a, a, a growing desire for them to see values-based leadership become a part of your culture. And, and invite Dr. Maxwell in to bring his coaches in from all over the world and train the top thought leaders and top leaders so that they can uh, train and teach leadership throughout the entire culture. And, and the outcome, I believe, in a, in a country as, as um, advanced and civilized as your nation, I mean, if we can get results like that in, in a nation like Guatemala that had a lot of political corruption and, and a lot of negative things going against them, if we could get that kind of a, uh, results there, Imagine what it could do in your country for all of your people and, most importantly, for the next generation. And so we would love for you to connect with us. If you, if you work in a company here in Denmark, we would love to talk with you and just find out more about your, your country, more about your company. We're trying to learn culture. We, we, we're under no illusion that we're to come in and bring our system in we need to understand your system, we need to understand your culture, and we need to understand the people here, and then bring what we want to train, but do it in a way that, that fits well with society. And the only way we can do that is, is through your help. And so I would like to give you my contact information. If you have a pen and piece of paper, I'd love for you to write this down. If nothing else, we'd love for you to pray for us as we do this. Um, this is a major undertaking, and we, we would uh, love your prayers. You can reach out to me by email at randy, R-A-N-D-Y, randy at randy Stroman, which is S-T-R-O-M-A-N dot com. So randy at randystroman.com. And I would be honored to receive your email and love to have a dialogue with you and love to understand your companies, love to understand the country that you live in, and it would uh, be wonderful for us. So let me just close by saying this. If you know your purpose from God, then I encourage you to use that by connecting with your pastor and, and reporting for duty. If you're unsure of what your calling and purpose is, I would like you to get with your pastor and say, help me find my purpose. Help me understand what God has equipped me to do, and, and then I'm here, I'm reporting for duty. I want to do my part to help fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for these great people. What an honor it is, Father, to, to be able to share the passion and the vision you've placed in our hearts. And, and, and I just pray, Father, that you will take the words that I've shared and you'll connect it with the people. You'll help them find their place in this church. Help them find their place in their society. And help them find the purpose that you've given to them so that they can fulfill that purpose and live that life of hope and peace that you've so promised. I thank you for them, and I ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts, Or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.